Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the 30th episode of Why Are People Into That? The podcast that sticks its hand into a bowl of keys, fishes around, and really hopes it gets the corny weaver. I'm your host, Tina Horn. And my guest this month is Cooper Beckett of My Life on the Swing Set, the blog and podcast, which is now a book. And do you know where you can buy that book? At Smitten Kitten Online, of course. Sex toy retailer extraordinaire Smitten Kitten is the exclusive sponsor of this podcast. I know I can point my listeners to Smitten Kitten's amazing online store to get the best confessional memoirs, useful how-to guides, and addictive erotica books, not to mention a whole bunch of toys and lube to take to bed with you while you read. Smitten Kitten continue to offer a special discount to wire people into that, listeners. Visit smittenkittenonline.com and enter the code Y. That's W-H-Y to get 20% off your order. Speaking of sexy pseudo-memoirs, I have one such book out myself. It's called Love Not Given Lightly, Profiles from the Edge of Sex, Porn Stars, Perverts, Femdoms, Rent Boys, and Other Professional Lovers. Like me, it is short, reasonably priced, and is guaranteed to engorge your brain as well as your unmentionables. Buy it now at an indie bookstore near you, and you can pre-order my next book, Sexting, the grown-up's little book of sex tips for getting dirty digitally, by visiting my website, tinahorn.net. So, call up a friend, and another friend, and another friend, and sync all your Google calendars for why are people into swinging. Welcome to the show. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's one of the most exciting things about having you on the show is that you're a podcaster yourself. Uh, yeah. Um, so let me give you a little introduction. Um, so uh, Cooper Beckett uh, is a podcaster and an author. Um, do you have any other? What else is on your business card? Uh, well, I, on my website, it's uh, pegging. Oh, and pegging enthusiast. That's right. Of course. <laughs> is that on your taxes? <laughs> um, no, my but my my accountant does uh, does smile every time we do my taxes, and I remind him what I do. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, that's what we're all in it for—just making accountants smile, right? <laughs> well, you know, every time an accountant smiles, um, uh, I was going to say an angel gets his wings, but you know, I don't really believe in that. <laughs> Well, uh, in any case, people who have to deal with math should smile as much as possible. Um, yes. But uh, so, Cooper, um, you have been doing um, Life on the Swing Set, your podcast, for it's been more than five years, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, just over five years. Oh my uh, God. Five, our fifth anniversary and our 200th episode in March. Amazing. And, and, and we were lucky enough to have Dan Savage as our guest. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I heard you on his show, too. He's, uh, he's something else, that guy. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a Dan Savage apologist, and and always, and always have been. I, I I like I like a rational faggot. <laughs> There's no accounting for taste. Um, I I love listening to his show, and I was so excited when he reached out for me to join um, to answer a question on his, and I immediately. When I was on that call, before we even recorded that answer, I nailed him and his producer down about being on, nice. on my show. That's that's super he's, smart. He's squirming. Yes. When you try to nail him down, he's he's gone. Yeah, totally. Um, so, and you have written a book also about your experiences, your life on the swing set experiences. Um, so it's similar to the podcast, but a, a little bit more memoirish, whereas the podcast yeah, uh, is interviews and roundtable discussions, right? Yeah, it, it's basically I took um, five years of blogging and essay writing, and I sort of adapted that material into a book of essays that also functions as a memoir. Cool. And the podcast and the blogging and the book are all centered around a obsession, uh, you might say, um, with swinging. It would, th would that be accurate to say? It, it would be accurate to say an obsession with swinging. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so can you define for our listeners, and actually I would love to hear... I would personally love to hear like how you would define swinging as um, what is the difference between swinging and polyamory or if, <laughs> if, if polyamory maybe or non-monogamy is an umbrella term, right. what are some of the specific characteristics of swinging? Well, I've, I've found that whenever you define that you uh, upset <laughs> both of the communities but i'm gonna do it anyway yeah, upsetting um, people is fine traditionally swinging is a couple sometimes singles but usually a couple right who have opened their usually marriage sometimes relationships mm. to sexual non-exclusivity mm -hmm. often 
uh, I mean, all generalizations, of course. Sure. Often, swinging is two couples that then swap. Right. And sometimes orgies and sometimes thirds. Mm. But the central conceit of swinging is that couple on couple swapping, essentially. That makes sense to me. I mean, I definitely... I'm sure you're very tired of this comparison, but whenever I think of swinging, I think of the... The 70s? <laughs> I do. I think of the 70s. I have a little bit of a 70s obsession, but I, I specifically yeah. think of the movie The Ice Storm. Oh, with, yes. With the, the, I mean, Alice and Jenny's um, key party, man... To get an invite to an Alice and Jenny key party? <laughs> oh, with, man. Oh, and, and with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, oh, well, yes. I so mean, good. <laughs> Is it but Allison? everyone was so sad at that party. <laughs> they were... I mean, everyone's so sad in that movie. They're, I don't think anyone cracks a smile. No, it is It is very sad. That is true. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that's really interesting. So it has to do with... Swinging has to do with being in an established relationship and then... That's what it seems, you know, and, and over the years, I mean, basically all my knowledge of non-monogamy um, comes from, well, not all, but comes from personal observation mostly. And as someone who's been doing this for a long time and talks to a lot of people, I've had a lot of personal observation happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so... No, I've go read ahead. the books, uh, you know, I read uh, one of the best books about the history of swinging is called The Lifestyle. Mm. Um, oh, and I can't think of the name of the author, Terry Gold. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, it, the, the subtitle is The Erotic Rights of Swingers. <laughs> I read that the first week I was swinging, checked it out of the library. <laughs> oh, oh my God. As I'm you do. Adorable. <laughs> Because I'm a guy who likes to consume as much information as possible about a new obsession. Cool. And swinging almost immediately became an obsession for me. Because before I started doing it, I didn't even really know it was still a thing. Yeah. Because I, too, had the... Really, it was the ice storm, and it was Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Right. He informed my complete impression of swinging. Yeah. Except for maybe you look at Blow Up and Austin Powers as the, the 60s swingers, which didn't really mean the same thing. No, but, no. You know, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess it, it, it is sort of a 60s early 70s idea of just being loose and just being yeah. like and you know an open and obviously there can be pejorative and positive associations with being loose and open oh, yes. um but you know it's it's funny and you look at it like that and i've always um felt that again with no data to back this up because i am not a scientist mm. that swinging was really reborn in the 70s because the the love generation grew up and moved to the suburbs. Right, right. That that makes complete sense. And while, you know, you can put away certain aspects of your personality, ultimately these fundamental things leak out. Yeah. And you need to find an outlet for them. And I think that's what swinging, the rebirth of swinging really was. So now, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to, and by the way, I'm getting, um... 
dinner cooked for me right now, oh, and I'm and oh, I'm not and okay. I'm not gonna apologize for the no, sounds no, no, of pots no. and pans because this is an indie podcast that I record in my house, <laughs> and I'm I'm proud that dinner is being cooked for me it's right now. Naturalism. So <laughs> thank you, naturalism. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, but uh, so I'm not gonna ask you to summarize your book. People should check out your book and your site and your podcast. Um, but let's just say that at a certain point you became attracted to the idea of non-monogamy and yes. swinging was the scene or the lifestyle or the identity that you glommed onto. Yes. So what, can you tell me what was it about swinging in particular as a, as a non-monogamy model that was appealing to you at first, and then we can talk about what your experiences have been and whether sure. your initial ideas were reinforced or um, exploded by your actual experiences. In general, it was that I married young. I got into mm. a, a long-term relationship very early in life. I had very few sexual experiences, and it was something that really bothered me. Yeah. And, you know, growing up in a... You know, middle class suburban lifestyle. You you see that my options are to stick with this situation or cheat. Yeah. And uh, a random comment from a friend of mine reminded me that swinging was a thing. Yeah, that's funny. And then I started looking into it and realizing that not only is it a thing, but because of the internet, it's an enormous underground thing. Right. And so my, um, she is my ex-wife, and I'm happy to talk about that. It's an amicable uh, divorce story. Mm -hmm. But she and I looked at our relationship that was solid and friendly, and we just wanted to both fuck other people. Yeah. And we initially thought, well, I guess we get divorced then. Hmm. Yeah. But as a joke... We said, well, there's always swinging. <laughs> I feel like and, a lot of people probably make that joke and then yeah. don't realize that well, yeah, there is always swinging. <laughs> and within two weeks, we were going out on our first date. Within three weeks, we'd uh, soft-swapped, which is oral sex and, and uh, uh, digital stimulation. Mm. And so it's like second, third base. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, soft swap. That is funny. soft swap. The swinging is divided into soft swap and full swap. These are terms that it's not soft. Like to it's, throw around. It's not soft swap and hard swap. No, it's not. And and but you you hear a lot of people say hard swap, but it's overwhelmingly full swap. Gotcha. Gotcha. And full swap is you know actual penetrative sex with people other than your partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this odd idea really turned everything around for me. Yeah. Because it reminded me that I was attractive. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of how important touch is in life. Because I'm, I've always been a physical, touchy person with my friends. You know, I'm, I'm the person who puts my hand on your, on your elbow when I'm talking. You know, that, I'm that guy. Yeah. And there's a bubble around people, especially in, in middle-class suburbia. Sure. Oh my God. Don't fucking do that. Right, 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 right. So when I experienced this, it was like coming home. 
And it was like finally seeing a community that I belong in. Well, it's also a chance to have that kind of touch in a way that you're explicitly communicating and everybody yeah. involved is consenting to you so you don't have to worry that oh if you're if you're trying to get touch from people because you're so desperate from it I'm not talking about uh, you I'm talking about in general you know I definitely see people who well, like I know that they just want to connect but not be in control of their faculties to maybe I don't know make out at the office Christmas party with someone right right exactly it's, we do these things to excuse our behavior right exactly because we desperately want more touch in our lives right and now do you feel like do you feel like it's about more touch or is it about a variety of touch with a variety of people and I think it's both yeah I mean, I'm, I'm not going to downplay at all that I am a swinger because I like to fuck a lot of different people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And variety is amazing. And you know what's really the most amazing thing about variety is when we are developing our relationships in life, if we are approaching it from a monogamous standpoint, we are very, very picky about who we will engage in, who we will have sex with. Right, because and, then you're, like, stuck with that person. Right, because that's... You're, you're buying into your future. Right, You know, right, you're right, putting right, your right. down payments on, the, on, on this future. Right, and so you might close yourself off from something that is uncertain exactly. because, yeah. you, because you want something familiar and comfortable, like somebody of the same race as you, or or some maybe if you're, like, somewhere on the Kinsey scale, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to go with the thing that is, like, I feel, like, mostly straight, so I'm going to, like, have a straight exactly. relationship, like... You know, and I'm a or somebody in the male. same, yeah, yeah. And that that was definitely part of my life choice. Was okay. Well, I'm going to default to monogamy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to default to heterosexuality, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be full of self-loathing because of that. Right, 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 right. And so the variety is, you know, maybe. Not everybody I want to be with needs to be this model type. Maybe uh, they can be heavier. Maybe they can be skinnier. Maybe they can be large-chested, small-chested. Maybe they can be male. Maybe they can be trans. Mm -hmm. yeah, race, age. Age was the most shocking thing for me because initially we put a, a limit on our our in engagement. You know, 10 years plus or minus. Right. And... My to this day, the the best single swinging partner that has been only swinging partner. I've I've had swinging partners that became poly partners, so mm. I don't want to make it you know weird. But the the swinging partner, yeah, she just turned sixty one, I think. Awesome, and she's amazing. Uh, like, yeah, just. An incredible lover. And I never would have gotten to experience something like that with her right. or with anyone like her if I... If you just chose one person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about what you just said about when something changes from swinging to poly? To poly, sure. Yeah. Uh, I should define poly then, because if do. I'm going to offend the swingers, I should offend the poly people. Too. Hooray! Let's offend everybody. <laughs> uh, poly, uh, polyamory is traditionally uh, having 
extra relationship relationships mm-hmm. um, based on love. That's what Polly people tend Marie. to say is it's about love. Right. Um, and creating a web, essentially. I'm creating this web where this is my primary, this is my secondary. Mm-hmm. And a lot of poly people will bristle at that concept because there's a whole movement to eliminate the hierarchy of relationships. I've, heard, I've recently heard people talking about a constellation of people. Yeah, a constellation, which I like. I like that, yeah. yeah. It's very cosmic. Uh, it, it makes things far more complicated when there isn't a hierarchy, I'll say that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's, it, in a nutshell, that's Polly. And the reason um, I, I get sort of treated like I'm being dismissive of both sides <laughs> is, is because ultimately, Polly and Swinger are almost identical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they would, they would have you believe they're like zero and six on the Kinsey scale. Right. When really, I'd say they're like two and four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... The, the, the overlap is really something else because both sides try so very hard to not be the other side. Why do you think that is? Why is there animosity between the two? Well, be, between you know, swinger people who identify as swingers and people who identify as polyamorous. Obviously, the, there are some people who would identify as both, right? Right. It, it's, it's far rarer. And, and when they do identify as both, they're far less likely to identify as either. Interesting. That's the thing. Uh, at, at that point, they sort of shed the labels. <laughs> I'm, I'm proudly a swinger with a side of Polly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I've, I've been Polly with a side of swinger. <laughs> it, it slides back and forth, which is very spectrum, you know? So if I'm hearing you correctly, tell me <laughs> if I've got this right. Yes. So... If Parse you're, those words. If you're, <laughs> don't mind if I do. If <laughs> um, if you're a swinger, you are um, you know, perhaps like partner swapping or um, specifically having dates with people that are maybe about soft swinging and maybe about full swinging, um but it's contained within that almost kind of um, game. And I don't mean to, for that to sound condescending. I think games games are the best Um, structure, you might say. Uh, And then polyamory is when you start to have uh, loving, romantic, committed relationships with more than one person at a time, probably also sexual with more than one person. Yes. at a time. And so swinging is a little bit more about sex, but it seems like you might have, it seems like if you swing once with someone and you have a good swing, you would want to swing with them again, right? Well, so and w- there you get at the very crux of why I think more, most swingers are almost poly <laughs> and most poly people are almost swingers. <laughs> because most swingers... Uh, again, making sweeping generalizations. Most swingers tend to have ongoing swinging, quote, relationships. And right. they hate the word relationships, but that's what they are. Yeah. Uh, it's close friends that you fuck. Yeah. And I mean, and, and isn't that awesome to have close friends that you fuck? It because really is. you can trust them more. Yes. And you have that booty call. You can call and say, hey, what are you doing Saturday? Right. I really need a blowjob. Yeah. 
you know? And poly people, I don't know one poly person that doesn't engage in casual sex. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. if that's not almost swinging, I don't know what is. So I can imagine that part of the appeal of swinging, especially for someone who's exploring non-monogamy for the first time, and especially, especially an established couple that both want to experience polyamory, or I should say non-monogamy for the first time, that part of the appeal of swinging is that structure that we're talking about, that you're mm -hmm. saying, like, we're going to meet these people, I'm assuming through, like, message boards online or certain community uh, functions where you, where, you, where you meet and can, like have mixers with other mm -hmm. swingers um or the myriad swinger dating sites uh, oh uh, what are when what are those called uh well cassidy is the one i really like it, and it, you can you can find it at life on the swing com slash k-a-s-i-d-i-e oh great perfect uh, it's it's really cool because it's very uh modern looking a lot of the swinger websites sort of look like they were created by swingers who <laughs> came to swinging age in the 70s right got it <laughs> uh, this one looks a lot more like facebook except it's got naked people all over it great yeah. great <laughs> um so so then part of the appeal is you you use Cassidy or or um you know some other uh m mixer function to to meet people and then you kind of have like a formal introduction to them and then you can plan a date mm -hmm. and and then it's and it, it, you kind of go within you you do this this dance that has its own steps and also its own limits like when the dance is done you both, you know, you like bow and curtsy to each other, and then you go in your and merry you go way, home with your right? And then, so, so I can imagine that for for somebody who enjoys like games or structure or um, uh, or something like that, it can be like such a great way to explore. And then at the same time, I can also see that somebody who you know, we all will have apprehensions and it, it's scary to everyone the first time that you do it and, and the hundredth time that you do it, mm -hmm. that it also is safe because it is a little bit formalized and self-contained and not Swinging anarchic. feels a lot more structured. Yeah. I know when we first started, I read Tristan Taramino's amazing opening up great book um, and it, it is and yeah, that, that new, is my non-monogamy bible and i recommend anybody vaguely interested in non-monogamy buy that book i i agree or people who think that they're not interested should well, yeah, read that book relationships if you're interested in relationships you should read that because absolutely. it's got so much about communication absolutely i yeah <laughs> i wholly endorse that book as well but i read that and the, the poly stuff terrified me interesting what terrified I, you about it 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 seemed so dangerous it seems so risky because you're opening yourself. I mean, like, I mean, the biggest fear, I think, in the swinger community is the question of what if my partner falls in love with someone else? Right, exactly. In poly, your partner is going to fall in love with someone else. That's what you're doing. Right, right, right. And that can be terrifying. You know, sex is easy once you can compartmentalize. Right, once you've established that sex is allowed. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, right, right. So in swinging, there may be friendship, love, and community, and ongoing relationships, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. but romantic love and it's that kind upon. of commitment is is what what did you say frowned upon it's frowned upon yeah. interesting that's and that's changing but the old guard swingers yeah. mm. it's frowned upon who are these old guard swingers <laughs> oh that you want to you know want to know something that's gotten me in so much trouble over the years is <laughs> the use of the word old with anybody when <laughs> referring to swingers <laughs> I, I mean Swinging is evolving. It's as a community, it's evolving. Yeah. And in the time I've been doing it, which admittedly has not been very long, I've been swinging for almost seven years. Mm. And in that time, I have seen a dramatic shift in the community towards more um, substantial relationships that we don't want to call relationships. Right. With be, because of safety, safety is huge, right? In in uh, swinging and and funnily enough, um, by and large, studies have been done that show that swingers are far safer uh, when we're talking safer sex, right? Right. Than right. than college students, sure. than old people. Sure. I mean, old people are really spreading diseases like you wouldn't believe. Well, uh, sadly, yeah, they they probably didn't get the education. That lack they, of education. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Or they figure, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. <laughs> well, by and large, um, the the reasoning I've heard is that they figure, well, I you know, she can't get pregnant, right? So why wear a condom? She can't get pregnant. But there's other things. Well, that's yeah. an, that's another podcast. But um, <laughs> but no, I mean it makes complete sense to me. I mean, I would say that it's the same thing with sex workers that people are like, oh, you know, sluts and whores and all of these people are spreading diseases and degrading yeah. the morality when actually we're the people who know what our desires and boundaries are, or in any case are asking ourselves and communicating about them. We know better how to assert our boundaries. We know better how to ask for what we want. And we are... <laughs> taking the time to educate ourselves about what safer sex means and what risk assessment is and um, and communicating that with one another. So actually... And people who look at their genitals and are friends with their genitals are yeah. far more likely to notice when something's wrong with their genitals. Right. Right. Um, and people yeah, who... Yeah, safer sex is my bugaboo. <laughs> awesome. It's, it's um, because I really uh, push oral barriers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's something that the swinging community generally doesn't... Well, really, I mean, the, the world at large really doesn't do. But the swinging community seems to have written that off as acceptable risk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I definitely... I know a lot of people who have written that off as acceptable risk. And I used to. Yeah, yeah, me too. And then, then I, I'm a, I'm a paranoid and a hypochondriac, mm. and so oral barriers is just one less thing. It, it gives me one more prevention against the panicky week after a new encounter. <laughs> um, let me ask you: Do you think that? non-monogamy is a sexual orientation in the way that queerness or gayness uh, is a sexual orientation? I don't know that it's a sexual orientation. Um, 
And I, I feel like when people really try to push it, they're sort of taking away from the uh, from from gay being uh, born that way, not a not a choice. Right. I do think that it's like Pandora's box. <laughs> when you explore non-monogamy. Mm -hmm. you will fundamentally be changed. Hmm. Either being on board yeah. or not. Right, and depending on your experience, probably yeah. too. Right? And you are unlikely to vacillate between those two. Interesting, interesting. And, wow, like, I will never that's really be funny. able to be monogamous again. Right, right. Because I've seen the other side of the curtain. Right, right, right. You know? And for some people, and I, I really, I try to make sure that I don't downplay monogamy because for some people, for most people, monogamy is exactly what they need and exactly what they want and they will be happy like that. And that's amazing and good for them. Yeah. And I'm on board with that. What, what I have a problem with is the people who pretend to be monogamous or think they're monogamous and go through life with loathing right. and with uh, and cheating. Most cheating comes with self-loathing, whether you want to admit it or not. Totally. And just because you've never had a conversation or just because you've never even known that it was an option. Like, I wouldn't have known swinging was an option unless my friend had randomly said something. Right, and I feel like a lot of people who cheat do so because they're uncomfortable with the idea of actually admitting to themselves that right. they want to have sex with multiple people, or they think that in some way it's superior to... They don't want to deal with the communication that goes around it, or they actually think that that communication is distasteful, or that they, or that it takes the fun out of it, or that's just yeah. not what you do. Um, and then I also think that there are people who are o open to monogamy, but are not practicing because they feel comfortable they they don't feel the need to actually like act on it every weekend but they're but but they're still non-monogamous you know or right. they might identify I mean, as non-monogamous but they may be non-practicing for a absolutely. long time and yeah. and there are times when i don't feel like swinging and i don't feel like dating yeah and i go through lulls absolutely the 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 thing i can never never fathom is closing the door right 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 yeah, the door's always open to crack, because what if I meet an amazing person? Right. And we want to fuck right then, or <laughs> we want to um, start dating right then. Why would I cut myself off from that? Well, why would... Okay, just to play devil's advocate, one, one reason that you... Um... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Would 
cut yourself off from that would be that you were, that you had found a, a partner that was like perfect for you in every way, which doesn't really exist, but you know, just like in general, <laughs> in general, like it, you know, that you, that you want to be with, that yeah. you have a great sex life with, you get a lot of touch from them, you get a lot of sex from them. Um, you know, you guys like have the same values in your domestic life works and blah, blah, blah. Like you've got a great relationship and that person is uncomfortable. Maybe even let's say like during a, a period of their lives, like because they're having a lot of stress or going through something hard and they, they want to close off the relationship because I can completely understand that sure. you would not want to be with somebody it wouldn't make sense for you to be with somebody who is completely closed off to the idea of non-monogamy but what if they were closed off about it right now and they really needed your like support and attention and you met somebody who you knew you could just sense that you would really vibe with yeah, but you've made but you've made this commitment to this other person. So I I can definitely see from the perspective of like of of freedom and of being open and of uh, love and abundance that you would want to pursue everything that comes up. But some what if what if there was something in your life that actually said like you're gonna have to let this go and can't always get everything that you want. Oh yeah, and I, if, if if my partner needs something from me, I will do everything I can to provide that. Yeah, but that I think I think the the self awareness comes in that phrase "everything I can." Right. Because sometimes there are just things I can't do, and I I would be far more likely to be closed for a while if I didn't all if I, if I wasn't currently seeing someone else right you know the the real conundrum in in poly comes when your primary needs that closure right and you've been dating this secondary for a year right 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 well i yeah i think there's a difference i was actually just talking about a scenario um like this recently where somebody wanted to close things off and that person was like i'm not gonna end this perfectly healthy other relationship and then that person was like well it's her or me and the person chose the secondary right so that's just like the person who's not making unreasonable demands right 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 um and you know but i i I think that that is different from yeah like when you have an established relation you have an established secondary versus oh i just like met this new hot piece of ass yeah, I, I sure wouldn't do it for uh, just purely selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's about I'm a better person when I have this freedom mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I know that about myself. Because I think I I think I'm inches away from being a cheater. I'm mm. just just because I know myself. Yeah. You know, one of the things that really made me realize that I needed to do something in my relationship was when um, a, a friend said, hey, I want to fuck you. What do you think? <laughs> and I seriously considered it. Yeah. And it's like, okay... I had a I had a distinct opportunity to cheat there. Right. And I was thinking about it strongly. Right, right, right. And right. I didn't do it. Right. But that's what I mean inches away. So it's 
Like if, if my partner's having a hard time, I'm unlikely to go out on a casual sex date. Right, right, right. Because I think this is an important distinction to make. But it yeah. also it seems to be part of the distinction between swinging and polyamory. So like if you are in a polyamorous uh, relationship and you have a, a secondary and your primary wants to close things, then you might not swing for a while. Is that what I'm... Am I, am I getting this right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's you can close down to whatever degree you're comfortable with. And I think, I think it's the casual stuff, the swing that vanishes. Uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly what I'm less interested in doing when I, I suffer from depression, Mm. uh, pretty regularly. And when I'm in a depressive episode, I have very little interest in putting forth the effort to swing. Right, right, interesting. And I often have very little interest in putting forth the effort to try to find someone to be in a often drama-filled secondary right. relationship. Right, right, right. Because oh, God, it you know, is so time-consuming and exhausting. Oh, my God, yeah. The, yeah. the moment you add another person to your life who actually has as serious input yeah. into your <laughs> life and decisions, yeah. oh, my God, it's hard. Um, I had a, a friend of mine once said, um, uh, to me when she was dealing with an intense non-monogamy triangle, um, consensual non-monogamy triangle, she, she looked at me and she said, you know, people always think that polyamory, that we, that we do it because it's easier, but it's not, it's not easier. It's just preferable. Like if I'm going to yes. be putting up with some bullshit this is the bullshit I want to put up with. Yeah, in, in fact, often harder. In fact, often harder. Well, do you think... Let me frame my question in a different way. Do you think okay. that, that some people are um, essentially wired, as they, as they say, or as you might say, for monogamy versus non-monogamy? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think that because of serial cheaters who genu- genuinely don't want to hurt their partner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, all, there's bad people. And they those are. are the people who cheat and they'll be like, man, eh, maybe she catches me. You know, that'd be fun. Oh my God, there's so many of those I'm yeah. realizing. Oof. Those people are assholes. They are assholes. I'm not talking about those people. No. I'm talking about the people who agonize over the fact that they're cheating because they're just not suited for monogamy. Right, right. Interesting. And... I think there is a, a decent-sized chunk of the population who's only monogamous because that's what they were told that you do. Right, right. Very strong. More than just told, like, really programmed. Well, yeah, that, that's yeah. what the, the world funnels you into through every bit of media yeah. and uh, the representations of jealousy in our society. Yeah, and what that, and what that means, that being yeah. jealous is actually means that you really are devoted to someone. Yeah, that's that's how you can tell they love you. Right. Ugh, God. Um, oh, isn't it awful? Ugh, uh, yeah. And we Gross. were all programmed this way. I mean, we certainly were. Yes. And um, that's that's the worst part. You know, and and like, I'm not going to take this in a political direction because I oh, do that enough. Do. And, oh please, <laughs> this is my it's, podcast. It's the the thing that would solve. I I don't want to say all, but a huge chunk of the problems we have in America is better sex education. 
Oh, please. Uh, yeah, you're. that's not it's even political. So that's just pieces. a fact. It's just a fact. Well, I, I, the moment I uncork the politics bobble, the bottle, <laughs> I'll, I'll start fuddling down the rabbit hole there. Uh, Ooh, and, mixing metaphors, too. <laughs> yeah, isn't it great? See, this is, see I'm, I author good. <laughs> um, this well, is why your listeners should want to read my book, because well, <laughs> it's that quality and attention to detail throughout. <laughs> Well, I d- I'm sure that they will want to, and if they want to, they can go to mylifeontheswingset.com, is that right? Yeah, mylifeontheswingset.com and cooperspeckett.com. Okay. And I'm really excited because it just got released in Audible format. I saw that, I saw that. That's and that, so cool. that was a big day. It took, it took a long time to get it there, but then the day it got yeah. released there, it's like, yes, victory! So before, so we're going to steer away from Seamus shilling and also yeah, uh, away from uh, no i mean uh <laughs> I okay. I no 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 please please um uh shamelessly shill as much as you want but but i want to uh i also want to steer away from politics and 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 talk yes. just a little bit more about um about desire um the oh. podcast the podcast is is really about getting into why people like a thing. So why are people into swinging? Obviously, a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, um, about, about freedom and about, um, you know, your, your nature and wanting to, um, consensually be involved with lots of people. But like, what, what's, I guess you've talked about this a little bit, but like, what's hot about swinging? Oh, like, man. what, what turns, what is the, what is the, where's the turn on about swinging sex? Well, uh, okay, so you have, one-on-one sex, which is sort of default. And great. Uh, Love it. And when you add more people to that, <laughs> the the number of things you can do yeah. increases so dramatically, so quickly. Yeah. It's, it's truly amazing. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't know that I can really describe how unbelievable it was to be in my first swinging situation to, after a decade of monogamy, mm. um, be getting a blowjob from another woman while my wife is on the other side of the couch giving a blowjob to another man. <laughs> That's that's a mind-altering moment. That's consciousness expansion without uh, chemicals. <laughs> uh, and what what really was was life-changing for me was it allowed me to be myself. Um, and that, like I like I said, I'm bisexual, and I spent most of my adult life cramming that down because of the idea that bi men don't exist it's just a pit stop to gay town right 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 and the i you know i don't have any problem with being gay like if i were gay that's fine what i what was terrifying to me is that i didn't know myself Mm. and that i could be so wrong Mm. about myself Mm. and so you repress and you repress and repression is good for the soul, isn't oh, it? Oh, it certainly is. <laughs> and so when I, you know, my my ex-wife discovered her intense bisexuality almost immediately. Awesome. Because swinging is 
very, very nurturing to female bisexuals. I can imagine that. Let's true. just say very nurturing. Uh, they're not so nurturing to to, fem- uh, to male bisexuals. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I would love yeah. I would love for you to just take a moment and talk to me about why you think I that is. I have a theory that is not popular. Well, I would love to hear your unpopular <laughs> theory. So, um, you know, there really everything in uh, in the media about sex culture and rape culture is about male privilege. Yes, um, and how even good men will be like, ah, come on, mm. come on, let's just have sex, come on, and wear people down, right? Right. So my theory about why men, uh, why the swinging lifestyle, and by the swinging lifestyle, I'm going to refer to the men in the swinging lifestyle, mm-hmm. are anti-bisexuality. In men. Uh, male bisexuality. In, in male bisexuality. Right. And I'm gleaning this from profile descriptions mm-hmm. about what people are looking for. Right. And whenever I hear anything negative about male bisexuality, it's, I don't want him looking at me and getting any ideas. Oh, God. Okay. So what that says to me, a bisexual, is that the moment I am interested in men, I will forget how to engage with consent. Right. And I will not listen to the word no. And I will do whatever I want for, you know, I, I will hold you down and rape you. Right. Okay. Right. And, 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 I, and that you are interested in every man, <laughs> yes. in every swinging dick, every single downwind one. of yeah. you. I may be you. selective about women, but when it comes to men, if you've got a penis, I want it. Right. I mean, and, and that's, that's such bullshit. It is bullshit. Um, yeah. So it's incredibly demeaning when looked at that way. Yeah. And and that is, by and large, you know, and everyone's like, oh, no, I don't care about bisexual men. I just don't want them at in the, in the party. Right. Okay, so the reason, I think, is because they are desperately afraid of being treated the way they treat women. Right. So if I came up to another man and was like, come on, well, just let me suck your cock. Well, it's interesting, because, like it. it's interesting because you're, you're in either a community or like at a party where people are breaking down the normal boundaries mm-hmm. of sexual behavior where, you know, in a uh, conventional bar, a conventional straight bar, let's say, you know, there's an understanding of what directions the desire is going in, but in a swinging environment, uh, you know, people are, uh, having sex and, like, propositioning one another, uh... The fluidity gets blurred. Right, and so then strict, uh, you know, strict ideas of, of uh, barriers between people that um, maybe uh, people with, uh, you know, homophobia, internalized homophobia, et cetera, et cetera, um, hold very dear, all of a sudden they, they feel threatened and they feel like they have to, like, be, have an extra stronghold 
around that. that yeah, that's they, they that's really interesting. And then, of course, in the inverted uh, manifestation of that, there's less women saying that they're afraid that a lesbian is going to look at them askance. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, I've known maybe three straight female swingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's out of a lot of women. Yeah. Which really makes me feel like the women are getting the good end of the deal. <laughs> and guys should really explore a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying that mostly swinging women are bisexual? I... I I would feel comfortable saying yes, that most women in the swinging lifestyle are or appear to be bisexual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that, that's really interesting stuff. So tell me more about what you find hot about yes. swinging sex. I loved what you had to say about, about variety and about getting to have sexual experiences with kinds of people that you that you that you wouldn't otherwise when you know what's really amazing is i mean this goes back to our discussion about monogamy in i truly do not believe that one person can be everything to everybody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, to, not to everybody to to you to one like that yeah, every, yeah everybody can't be everything to one person. the one-on-one thing it's it's a tremendous amount of pressure to put on the other person mm-hmm. to be everything you need and I think that's that's so evident when it looks at sexuality, because no matter how giving and game a partner is, they may not want to get slapped across the face. Right. Or they might not want to get peed on. Right. You know, and the amazing thing about opening yourself up to a variety of sexual partners is you can find that person who does want that. Right. And you can find that person who wants this other thing. And you can be the person that this other person is looking for. And you can trade these things. And now your your primary partner is no longer responsible right. for that aspect of your sexuality that they're just sort of going along with to be given. Right, 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 right. And maybe aren't even enjoying it all. Right, 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 right. And, and that's truly a, a, a wonderful thing to be able to discover yeah um so how much of swinging has to do with you were describing a scene earlier of getting a blowjob while your wife is on the couch next to you giving a blowjob to somebody else uh how much of swinging also has to do with exhibitionism and uh group sex um or even orgies yeah yeah a lot i mean it's i think it's sort of it starts as function in, right. in that if you're swinging in the same room as your partner, you don't have to worry about what's going on in the other room. Right, right. And you'll find that swingers, as they um, are together longer and are in the lifestyle longer, will start to relax that kind of thing. And then they become separate room occasionally, you know, or, or go on separate dates as swingers, you know, the, tonight I'm going out to fuck this person tomorrow. She may be going out to fuck this person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not to say that kind of swinging is more evolved or replaces. It's just that that's a little bit more, you, you have to be a little bit more comfortable 
to right. do those things. But it, but it also strikes me as logistically complicated for you to find a couple where oh, there's mutual really there's mutual attraction between yeah. people and and then potentially also like not just the permutation of your wife sleeps with the other husband and the other wife sleeps with you potentially you could all play together uh right. you know and then there's the exhibitionism and the voyeurism of having sex i mean just having sex in a room with other people is like even if you even if you and your wife are you know i know she's your ex-wife now but even if you like the hypothetically like you and your partner are having sex together the way that you would alone in your bedroom, but there's another person having sex right yeah. next to you. Like it can that's... be at times incredibly hot. It can be at times incredibly distracting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, You know, when I first started swinging, I had some pretty severe erectile dysfunction mm. because of a few different things. One, I was wearing the wrong size condom, so that was something that could be rectified. Uh, two... I got distracted really easily hmm, and funny. not distracted in a negative way, just distracted. And hmm. when you're distracted, it's really hard to maintain an erection. That's interesting. So you might've been distracted by something that was hot, but not necessarily mm -hmm. something that was like keeping you hard. Right. Right. That's funny. And you're just not used to that when you're used to sex being like, I am focused on this person and staring <laughs> right. into their eyes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so for a little while, uh, I, we, we quickly switched to separate rooms mm. uh, just so I could focus. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are lots of ways that you can enjoy sex without an erection. Oh, I'm sure of course. you're well aware. Uh, and, and, and that is probably the greatest lesson I've learned in swinging. That's cool. Is that sex is, is not just penetrative sex. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And by, by making that leap and changing it in your mind to being hand jobs, blow jobs, fingering, uh, cunnilingus, what, everything, all, uh, heavy petting. I've heard that. you're, I've heard you're also a pegging enthusiast. So uh, I, I'm a huge fan of pegging. <laughs> <laughs> and cool. you want to talk about something that men need to get over. Right. Right. It's that anything in their butt suddenly makes them magically gay. <laughs> because they are missing out on the male G-spot, yeah, which is the prostate. And I, I, I mean, I try to tell them. I was just on um, a podcast that was primarily, it was like a friendlier version of the pickup culture. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. And the, the thing I, I told them, I want them to, to recognize, I have had... 50 minute prostate orgasms Ooh. Ooh. and you know what it's accessible you just have to try these things and you never know until you try them and you're not going to be magically gay the next morning Unless you suddenly only want to sleep with men, then, well, congratulations, you're gay. <laughs> and isn't it wonderful to now know yourself? <laughs> well put, well put. Is that is that something that you discovered through swinging, or did you already know that you liked pegging? I, I was already into anal stimulation, and like the other things, was embarrassed and shameful about it. Right, right. And, um... Tristan, uh, not directly, but turned me on to, to pegging. <laughs> cool. It, it, 
was not something I'd ever thought about. You know, I it had vague anal stimulation. Yeah. Uh, and in early on, a couple we swung with the 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 misses of that couple was very into rim jobs and anal play, and so uh, it was really cool to have someone really into that. You know. Yeah. And then I forgot where it may have been. The ultimate guide to pegging was the first time I really encountered it. Probably earlier, but Tristan's movie. Tristan's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's a great movie. movie about about pegging. And pegging is uh, we should define the term. Probably, uh, it's it's a female wearing a strap on fucking a man in the ass. Yes, and we have it, we have a wonderful episode of Why Are People Into That with Allison Moon. Oh, um, and well, she's amazing, isn't she? Yes, she really is. <laughs> <laughs> and. It's it's incredible, and it's something I teach about now. Cool. Because I, I've become the pegging evangelist. <laughs> it's be, because I discovered a whole different type of orgasm for myself. And if, as a man, you knew you could have an orgasm that didn't include ejaculation, wasn't stopped immediately afterwards, yeah. and could continue in waves for up to an hour... Why wouldn't you try for that? Yeah, absolutely. And I tried really hard for a long time. And then one day in in Mexico, actually, it just happened. And it was mind-blowing. Oh, my God. Amazing. I mean, the thing that I think I'm, I'm hearing from you most strongly is that opening yourself up to sex with other people opened up your life in so many different ways and that had so much to do with having this particular structure that really spoke to you and also having this um code of ethics and and consent oh, yeah. that made it possible for you to explore things that you felt were actually in your nature um, in a way that was not at someone else's expense, especially not at the expense of somebody that you loved, which is and unfortunately much part. more yeah. common. And so yeah. you get to have sex with all different kinds of people. You get to have all different kinds of sex. And probably also not only like, I fucked a 61-year-old, I fucked a man, I fucked like this person from a different socioeconomic class. You know, any of those novelties, but you also get a chance to relate to and be intimate with different yeah. people and under and understand like more of humanity than just having this like echo chamber of this one relationship not that there's anything wrong with that <laughs> well, even taking the sex out of it i am a far more well-rounded and better person today than i was before mm -hmm. non-monogamy mm -hmm. and it's because of the bonds i have created through non-monogamy because you you're part of a group that is ostracized and looked down upon mm. and that can be scary and sad but it can also be incredibly bonding yeah you know and once you've fucked someone in their kitchen <laughs> you you feel much closer to them whether you want to term it relationship or not right it, it's it's a closeness that's really amazing cool. and I've I never had that experience with um, to use the semi-derogatory term, vanilla friends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I've really sexually open people know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm not just saying swingers or poly people. 
sexually open people can communicate better than almost any other group of people I have found. Yeah, I found that too. Because sexuality is the big repression. Yes. It's the big shame. And if you can get over that, mm-hmm. it, it makes everything in life easier. Everything. Well, you certainly are an evangelist. I, I am. <laughs> um, well, Changing the world one couple at a time. <laughs> well, Cooper, I'm so happy to have you on the on the show, and um, uh, I feel like I've learned a lot. And um, so let's go over again. You've got the the podcast, which is you, folks can download on iTunes, and it can sit comfortably in their little app next to. Why are people into that? Um, and listen to two hundred and twenty, or let's let's say two hundred really good episodes. Amazing. That's a lot of commutes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and your your book is uh, available. Um, it, it's a uh, there's the ebook of it, but it's also you can buy it physically, right? Yeah, I. I um, and where I, can we where can we buy your book? I'm self published. Awesome. So I would really, really appreciate it if you bought it from me, mm-hmm. and you can buy it in any flavor from me at mylifeontheswingset.com. dot com. Cool. It comes in ebook, a signed paperback that comes right from me, cool. uh, so I'll personalize it or audiobook. Cool. And. Even if you don't buy it from me but want to buy it anyway, it's available on Amazon, it's available on Audible, uh, it's available on iTunes books. My my collection of ebooks will play in any flavor. <laughs> cool, cool. So And you um, Oh no, go ahead. And and the the Life on the Swing Set website, um, it's not only host to Life on the Swing Set the podcast, but a whole bunch of other uh, sexually positive podcasts. Oh yeah, you've got Carnalcopia, some, right? Yeah, Carnalcopia, and um, we have Sex Ed at Go Go. Oh, we have the Gentle Pervert Social Club. Uh, a whole lot of it, it's. We are fun and geeky about sex. So if you like fun and geeky, uh, if you've connected with anything I've said tonight, then you probably enjoy yourself over there. Awesome. And I also do two TV podcasts. I do Eat the Rootcast, which is about NBC's Hannibal, oh and uh, Damn Good Podcast, uh, which is about Twin Peaks. Oh, I want to know more about that. What do you think about the oh, all the whole I, controversy about the new show? Honestly, the day David Lynch came back, yeah, I cried. <laughs> I was I was out. I'm I'm a photographer, and I was shooting a wedding, which I hate doing, mm. and it's a rare occasion. And I was out at the wedding, and my publicist for the book sent me a, a text that just said, this might be relevant to your interests. <laughs> and I clicked on it, and it said, uh, David Lynch is back uh, on the on the Twin Peaks 2016, and seriously fucking cried. Oh, my God. And then the bride and groom were like, oh, my God, the photographer ah. is so moved by our <laughs> wedding. And you're like, no. <laughs> Nothing to do with you people. <laughs> well, All um, about David Lynch. But so now he's backed out again. No, no, he's back. Oh, oh that's he's, what I'm saying. Oh, he's back, back. He was, he was on board. And then, then he left was not. In, in, in a money dispute. He's very fickle. He is, and I think he played uh, a really shitty game, honestly, mm, with mm, the public. Mm. But they are about to start shooting in <gasps> September. You it know is that, coming. You know that. You know that I'm named after Audrey Horn, right? Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. She's my fam icon. 
so we have so much in common. Me too. <laughs> well, um, amazing. So I hope everybody checks out uh, all of your stuff, and uh, and uh, thank you so much for um, helping me out with the remote audio. I've actually never had somebody on the show uh, recorded through uh, the future of the internet. <laughs> and greetings from the future. <laughs> I, I popped your chair. Oh, God. <laughs> um, uh, well, and yeah, thanks for helping me out with that. And thanks for being on the show. And um, Thank you for tuning in to episode 30. Follow at Tina Horns S and at Into That Podcast on Twitter. Subscribe and write us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And visit whyarepeopleintothat.com to subscribe to our newsletter and listen to our entire archive, which is almost two years old. As ever, Wire People Into That is produced and hosted by yours truly, Tina Horn. Our theme song is by Pine from Oakland, California, and our website was designed by Justin Levesque, who now has his own damn podcast called Iceland X207, which you can find out more about on IcelandX207.com. It's a crazy, crazy podcast about going to Iceland. And we are exclusively sponsored by Smitten Kitten, who you can visit at smittenkittenonline.com. Now, if you'll excuse me, until next time, I'll be hunting for unicorns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.